0: listening to the Sermon Podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Our scripture reading for today is from Matthew 6, 1-4, And 19 to 24, if you use your pew Bibles, it's in page 787. Beware of practicing your righteousness before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do, in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven How great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. The word of God for the people of God.
1: Thanks be to God. All right, thank you, Sally, for reading. If you don't know, that's my mom. Thanks, Mom. Um, Also, I want to say thank you. We are just over the halfway point this summer um, of Dan's sabbatical. And and guys, we're still here. I'm still standing. This is exciting. (laughs) I know. Um, So we're going to make it just as fun as last week's, aren't we? Now we get to talk about money. No? You're not excited? Me neither. But here's my inner Monday morning monologue. I will not skip verses. I will not skip verses. I can't stick to the easy stuff. So lucky for you. So Jesus, I learned this week, 15% of what he preached about was about money. So if I was Jesus, that would be seven to eight sermons every year you would have to listen to about money. Aren't you glad we don't follow that rule of thumb? Uh, There's also 2,350 verses in the entirety of the Bible relating to money and wealth. So we have to do this, don't we? Um, So I was kind of thinking that it could be fun to title this g Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead, I decided I don't actually know how to spell that, so I went with God or Mammon. <laughs> we are gonna start a little something different today. I'm gonna end, or I'm gonna begin with our final verse. So verse 24, it says, no one can serve two masters For a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Did I just hear an amen? Yeah, the word wealth here is actually often translated as mammon. Uh, This is a derivative of the Greek word mammonas, and one of the base words, is aman, which actually means trust and reliance. So trust and reliance in something other than God. I'm gonna keep calling it mammon, which when it's literally translated is money personified. You guys have the wrong slides up because they're on there. Hmm, darn, guys, there was like a money walking with feet. It was so cute. All right, well, it's okay. We'll just, it's fine. If you find them, cool. If not, you guys really have to pay attention to me. (laughs) This will be fun, so when I quiz you next week, make sure you take notes. All right, Jesus is telling us that we have a choice. We can choose to follow God or we can choose to follow after wealth, but we cannot do both well. You can keep running on the treadmill of money, or you can live for God, and this is where American Christians hang out squarely in the middle, don't we? We hang out right there, but please join me in prayer before I continue. Lord, open our minds, open our hearts, open our ears. It is never easy to preach about money, it's never easy to look mammon in the face. Help us to learn from your word today, Lord. Move me aside. May the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. All right, I'm going to read this verse one more time in the message you can't worship two gods at once loving one god you'll end up hating the other adoration of one feeds contempt for the other you cannot worship god and mammon both often american christians think that we can have just the right attitude about money and about our riches But this is really not what Jesus is preaching. He's not saying that if we give some, we're fine. He's not saying, well, if we only slightly go after it, we're fine. No, he's saying to love one is to hate the other, period. If money was merely an object of indifference, would Jesus have said, that you love it, then you hate God. Or if you love God, you hate money. We cannot hold both of these things in a proper balance. Do we need proof? It is Sunday morning, right here in our own town. Not only are our businesses open, but we have brought in booths of farmers, drawing not only our people away from church, But now these people are having to work. There is no option because we have changed our Sunday morning in our culture. Instead of our kids being able to be resting on Sunday mornings, what do we have? We have sports. Instead of a few more hours waiting for these big box stores to open, they are open at 8 a.m. Thanksgiving, gone. Easter, gone. There was a time just in my life that I knew I had to get my gas the day before. I had to make sure I had everything for the meal. I had to buy my milk the day before. This is not a huge inconvenience, but for some reason our culture has said Sunday mornings are done. Wegmans, in their infinite wisdom, pays their employees an extra dollar per hour. For a full shift, that's only $8. But they have people lined up, ready, and willing to give their Sundays away. And I'm not knocking that $8, because that means a lot to some people. That can add up. I'm knocking the fact that they open anyway. Either you or somebody close to you works at their job for their paycheck, and their paycheck only, and you're not getting fulfillment. You're not doing what God has made you to do. You are doing it just because you have to. You're showing up for that almighty dollar at the end of the day. And I understand that this is a reality that many people need to live in to survive. But sometimes there's different choices that we can make to switch things up and free up our lives and our pocketbooks because we as a culture... We love our stuff, don't we? Oh, yes, we do, Gary Young. We love our stuff. (laughs) He's adamantly doing this. Gary really loves toys. We want to eat out. We want a nice house. We want a pool. We want a decent car. We want to pay our bills without worrying. We want a camper. We want vacations. Our culture teaches us daily that we won't have happy and fulfilling lives without all the trappings. We are surrounded by mammon. When we are trying to understand the injustices of the world, what do we say? Follow the? Follow the money. Follow the money. Money is lording over us in every absolute, every facet of our society. Mammon uses us and makes us servants by bringing us under his law and subordinating us to his aim. Whether you like it or not, every single one of us in here is under control of Mammon in some way, shape, or form. This concept is something that we, as a family, have struggled with our entire marriage. We don't want to be subservient to mammon, but we do like the life we've built. I've been down all the roads to justify the ways that we spend, the ways that we save, the way that we give. And now, with the raising prices of everything, we really don't have much that we can do. We have to continue to sacrifice. Before you get all upset, don't worry. We know that Jesus is drawn to hyperbolic language, and this is probably the same idea like we heard last week, to just cut off our hand or gouge out our eye if we find ourselves lusting. Of course, we know that if we work hard at jobs that we hate, we're not meaning to actively hate God. Again, we're looking for the standard that Jesus is calling us to the shifts that we need to make and start allowing God to make within our hearts and our minds to draw us closer to them. The danger, though, is found when we allow ourselves to become swept away by that allure of money, by the allure of wealth and possessions and the power that comes with that. God is calling us away from this life of allure after money. He calls out to the poor over and again, to those who cannot make all their comforts met. He calls out to those who have been up against financial injustice. We see this in the Magnificat, or Mary's song in Luke 1. Hey, you guys found it. Thank you. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. God is lifting up those who cannot financially lift up themselves. God will be sending away those who are rich, those who had so much that they could not spend it in their lifetime, those who have power and abuse that power and privilege. So what about the rest of us? What about those in this room who are kind of in the middle of those two extremes? I would probably venture to say that's the majority of us. So we're gonna pop back to the beginning of our verses, knowing that we need to remember that God says we have a choice to make between God and mammon. Verse two, so whenever you give alms, Do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your alms may be done in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. The first thing i want to point out here is that there's not a question of whether or not we give jesus is not saying if he's saying when giving alms to the poor is just expected this is what you do giving part of what god has already given you is just assumed part of the deal love god you give back There is very little regard in the New Testament of how much, but within the Old Testament, we find the tithe, which is 10%. In the New Testament, in Jesonomics, it's way more extreme than that. God wants us to give everything. Within these verses, we hear the message that we are to give and we are not to allow others to know what we did. Guys, this one is really hard to preach through and not share personal stories. (laughs) Gary and I have tried really, really hard uh, for the last probably 15 years that when we give, we don't tell anybody. But I will say that when God leads our heart, we give. Uh, Most of the time we talk about it, Sometimes we don't, but we also know that the other one has our back every single time because usually it's a need that God puts on both of us at that same time. If you're single, that's way easier. You get to just give to wherever and whenever. Um, It can be challenging, though, to keep our good deeds to ourselves. I, I could give you some really cool stories, and I won't because I can't. But man, that person that we got to help that one time, they know, and God knows. and that's really all that matters. If we're giving to the church, obviously somebody sees, we get a tax statement at the end of the year, which we appreciate, but we're not posting them on the bulletin boards so that everybody else knows who everybody else gives. That's not OK. Jesus tells us to give, not for the credit not to attach our names to it, not to make sure that everyone knows what we did, but to give with a good, clean heart. Notice there's another reference to the right hand here, too. So last week we talked about the right hand and how it represents power and dominance. We are not to gain more power and dominance over others when we give, Our left hand is the less dominant one. It's the one that signifies direct engagement with the world, instead of a direct pipeline to our own power and ourselves, instead of gaining something, this is the hand that we outreach into the world. We don't have this problem, or at least not right now, and I really hope not ever here in this church, Um, but I've heard this situation and did hear this situation multiple times when I was in Puerto Rico talking to different pastors. People who give and give a lot try to get and use that leverage to have what happens, what they want to see happen within the church, using their tithe or their extra gifts as a stronghold to ensure that things get done or not done based on how much money they give regularly. Man, I'm really glad we don't have that problem here. I have seen pastors get fired. I have seen abuse of the marginalized, major abuse of power because of mammon. On a side note, we have a lot of generous givers who make Dan and I keep their gifts anonymous, and I love that and hate it because i also want to make them stand for claps and i can't all right i'm really do i'm so grateful that we do better here but we do need to be on guard and to be looking out for just this thing so that brings us to our first takeaway today check your motivation are you giving in order that others will notice are you giving because you want that recognition And what are you giving to? Are you increasing the pockets of those who are already so incredibly wealthy that they need it, that they do not need it? Or are you making sure to do some research and giving to the places and the spaces that God is calling you to? Martin Luther, in his commentary on the Sermon on the Mount, gets right to the heart of Jesus' message, saying that this section is really talking about the singleness of heart, meaning that the heart is not ostentatious or desirous of gaining honor and reputation from it, but is moved to contribute freely, regardless of whether it makes an impression and gains the praise of the people or whether everyone despises and profanes it. So where is your singleness of heart? Now, if you are feeling a bit convicted in this, please know that this is a common struggle. We want others to know when we do good things. We want to shout it from the rooftops. We want to thank you every once in a while. A congratulations. I get it. I love having this, too. I wish I didn't. Um, But when this is left unchecked, man, we can turn this into something negative. We can go from, I'd really like a thank you, to, why don't they thank me? To fine, I'm just going to stop, because if I stop, then maybe they'll notice what I have been doing. And it just gets worse from there, and then you leave the church, and you might never return, because you've allowed that bitterness to take root and to take hold. Instead, I ask that you bring this to God. God showers us with grace in this, and when we continue to go to God with this struggle, we will find either a lessening need of this praise, or we will have somebody from somewhere thank us in just the right way, and we will allow ourselves to feel full and confident, and we will be able to keep going because of that one person willing to say thank you. So when you notice, if you notice somebody who gives a lot of their time and their energy and their talents, make sure to thank them. It's okay for us to praise others in that. Allow God to use you in that way. We're going to move on to verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven Here we find out exactly what God is calling us to do. So we give. We don't worship mammon, but now we see that we are not even to store it up. What? Talk about countercultural. We're not to store it up where it could be ruined anyway. Fire, flood, hurricane, tornado, earthquake, tsunami, war. We've seen it over and over across our country and around the world. We can... Work our entire lives and lose everything in a second. Why are we so connected to the stuff that we surround ourselves with? Not only is this countercultural for us today, this is countercultural for them. And this time, in Deuteronomy 28, we find it full of promises to bless the Israelites if they continue to follow God and God alone followed by a list of curses if the Israelites turned toward the ways of the other nations around them. It's quite interesting. I I did not pull any of Deuteronomy 28 for safety on time, Um, but please take a moment, open it up, look through those blessings and curses. But then they interpreted this to mean that they were able to store up everything that they were blessed with essentially hoarding it all until they had need to use it. Jesus was surrounded by the poor, but he did have some wealthy followers, and they were providing for his needs and his lodging, his sustenance, so he's not really hating on all these people that did have the ability. He's hating the people who do not do anything with their wealth. These verses point us toward some economic theories, but also point us back to our hearts. Where is our motivation for storing it up for ourselves? Are we really willing to sacrifice others' needs in order to store up for our future needs that we may not have found yet? So how do we do this? We know that we need to save for retirement. We know that it's wise to have some money for a rainy day or for an emergency in the event that we lose our jobs and we still need to pay those bills. That's wise money management. And I could back that with scripture as well. But what is Jesus' hyperbolic passage telling us? What does he mean by these treasures in heaven? So what is it that lasts? Say it louder yeah love shock me every time i preach i get to bring up how much we are supposed to love god and love others well jesus is telling us to stop looking to our stuff to fill our needs and desires stop looking to our collections our homes our things that we surround ourselves with to find happiness instead let's find our fulfillment and our joy by looking to God. So that brings us to our next takeaway, give more of what lasts. Following Jesus' example, we give what we can, and for many of us, that's probably a whole lot more than what we give right now. Either in time or talent or money, we give where God is leading. If we aren't feeling like God is leading us somewhere, that's okay, start there. Give your time to God. Give him time to sit in his presence, asking where you need to adjust your course, asking God to lead you to something that brings you excitement. Maybe not as much as I carry with me all the time. I understand that my excitement is different, but bring something that brings you joy. Maybe you feel a burden for a particular family or a person in your life, and you just want to send them some money or give them something, do it. Stop thinking about it. Just do it. Maybe you have too much stuff sitting around your home. It clogs your ability to find rest or peace or the floor. Uh, Maybe it's time to downsize that stuff. I have a whole team of rummage sale volunteers who will gladly take some off of your hands. Uh, When you're not going to hear me say today, though, is for you to give more to church. As a pastor and as a member of council, as the treasurer, I can tell you that I trust in God to bring those finances. And I hope that if God and when God places that on your heart to give, great, that you're allowing him to do that and you're leading, letting him lead you. Um, because of your generosity, I get to be here. And I thank you so much for allowing me this opportunity because I love loving others in the name of Brockport First Baptist Church. And I can't do that without you, so thank you. If you're still sitting there thinking, but what is it that could be fun and exciting to give to, our communion offering this month is for helping hands. Um, Maybe you're new and you have no idea what this is. This is the fun that we get to use when we have a need that comes in to the office or onto our lap, so to speak, in various different ways. We've helped those within our church and also those in our community for people who've fallen on rough patches and they need a hand up in some way we've paid rent we've paid bills we've given gifts gas cards we've helped with appliances we've helped with car repairs all because of your generosity when we add each person's gifts all together it makes huge impact on those around us this is love when i talk about love it's that action word this is love my last takeaway for today is to ask yourself where your eye is looking. And that in those verses, we talk about the eye again. Are you so concerned with money and paying bills and saving for different things like vacations and dressing nicely and driving the best cars that you have forgotten about God? It might be time for a course correction. Remember last week we talked about how the eye needed to be gouged out if you find yourself in a place of lust. Are you lusting after the stuff that everyone around you has that you wish you had instead of focusing your attention on loving God and loving others well? I invite you to sit in a place of gratitude. There was a point at which Gary and I got caught up in this. We wanted the expensive home, the nice cars, the reliable RV, worst mistake of our life, um, the trips all over the United States. I can't say that I don't want some of that still, but I can tell you that we both wanted it so bad that we were in such incredible debt that we had to worship that almighty dollar just to pay the bills every month. That was exhausting. That was exhausting. When God started shifting this within me and within our marriage, we did start giving 10%, and we were still surprisingly able to pay the bills. There were times that it didn't make sense, and I can tell you that this is not a guarantee, because we've had some very strange, very unique things happen to, um, to afford our bills at times. We decided instead that we would be really intentional about how we spent our money and I know that this is not something that everybody can do because we are very privileged in different endeavors that we have done. But we were able to start paying down the debt. And close, we're so close to being fully debt-free. It's exciting. Um, and that's a place of freedom that I hope that everybody gets to experience. And this is, this is a long-term goal I'll share with you. Um, we really want to get to the point where we're giving more than we're living on. That's something that God put in our hearts about 10 years ago. We're not even close. Not even close. We'll probably be 90 when we're there. But that's okay. That's okay Because it's good to have a goal. And I plan on living till I'm 100. So I'll have 10 years. Yeah, right? We'll see. We'll see. Um, I will say, though, sometimes it hurts when we give. Sometimes when God puts it on our hearts, It's really hard to say, okay. And I want to challenge you to join us in this a little. Maybe you've given your regular things for the month and you feel God is leading you in some way, shape, or form to give a little bit more somewhere. Try it out. Try it out. Follow where God is leading you. Um, At some point, hopefully in the near future, I want to be able to offer a financial class. I just have to find some time to do some research. Um, I want more people to be able to live in this place of being able to give generously. I'm not going to put a sign-up sheet out yet, but if it's something that you're interested in, let me know. I'll make sure that you go on my mental sign-up sheet. I will share that there are times when my eyes wander. When I wish I could just be so frivolous and self-involved with my money, I've said it to Gary before, like, but wouldn't Hawaii be more fun? So yes, sometimes Hawaii would be more fun, but if our lives are filled with materialism, are we even being disciples? Are we living as God would have us live? Are we following Jesus well? Jesus is calling us to live a simpler life, a life full of love marked by the fruits of the Spirit, and out of that treasures will be stored in heaven, our needs will be met, and so will the needs of others through us. We will truly live out what we find in Matthew 25, verses 35 through 40. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it when we saw you hungry or thirsty? When was it when we saw you a stranger or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison? And the king will answer them. Jesus will answer, Truly, I tell you, just as you did it for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it to me. Join me in prayer. God, open our hearts. Lead us each step of the way. Show us where to give, how to give more of what lasts, We thank you for the love that you pour so generously on us, on our lives, on this church. Help us to check our motivations. Help us to check where our eyes are looking. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening.